0: of Free Wise DMs, the podcast where three Dungeon Masters have been doing this for way too long talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be.
1: Hi, I'm Tony. I'm
0: Chris. Here I am
2: once again I'm torn into pieces, can't deny it, can't pretend Just thought you were the one broken up Deep inside, but you won't get to see the tears I cry behind these hazel eyes. Woo. I bet none of you know what that is. Kelly like Clarkson. I have, it was Kelly Ding, Clarkson. ding, ding. ding. Oh, yeah, dude, behind these yeah. hazel eyes. That's my girl Kelly, dude. Why the hell would I ever sing that one? Please explain it to us. Yes. Because, <laughs> hello everyone again. Welcome back to another episode of Three Wise DMs here. Um, so that was Kelly Clarkson behind these haze lies because today we're actually going to talk about something we were starting to discuss on our own, which is what's important behind your DM screen? What do you have? What do you need? We actually saw just after we were talking about it, somebody posted online somewhere about, hey, what do you have behind your DM screen? Here's a picture of mine. What do you think? You know, so it was very uh, fortuitous. So I think it's something that a lot of us think about.
1: And, uh, there we go. What do you guys think? Well, I'm excited to talk about this because Dave had a dream which built up to this. is yeah, oh. like some
2: Beatles lore stuff. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Yes. Beatles what was my a. dream? Yeah, yeah, you that. took all these vitamins and had a crazy dream. <laughs> I did. Gary so I. Spoke yeah, to him. Yeah.
2: Yeah. My see, doctor you. has me on a vitamin D one because like, I'm just a white dude, so like I you need got vitamin not D. Not a lot of D? Not a lot of D. Well, I have yeah. a lot of D, but not <laughs> vitamin D. <laughs> thank god well, so, that. that's why we are an explicitly labeled podcast uh, but yeah i took this it's a d3 that i drop under my tongue and everyone that said everyone that takes this they say you get these crazy ass spielberg level dreams and you really do they're very vivid i don't know what it is but it's a thing and then i had the dream and what was it i think i just came up with the idea that we were like oh what's behind your dm screen that's our new
1: Episode or something like that was that Gary Tracy and Laura Hickman were all I together. I don't know they, if I, they're
2: like days. Yeah. It wasn't as awesome as the Futurama's episode we, where you jumped forward in time and, and found us at uh, Green. Yeah, so so yeah. Anyway, that is my uh, that that's what
1: happened. So I mean, normally behind the totally screens, like what, like what are we talking about? You have the rules for cover dying conditions, what you could buy in a town. I don't have those things as handy because also I'm not really. A fan of exactly of a DM screen. Everything I do is on the table, but yeah. for my like behind the screen notes on like one of my electronic devices, there are things I want to drop into the game that may be unexpected. What I mean by that, so if you guys go, you know what? Like we were in the wolves uh territory in Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. and so you know, I want to go exploring. Okay, I got you. I've got some names, I've got some monsters, and I've got some treasure. So the way I could justify this, besides, of course, giving everybody uh, a degree of autonomy and agency, is that I could then find a way to drop in some lore which pertains to the game. So this moves the store forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I,
3: I have my outline. Thank you, Mike Shea. Like, I have, that's Woo-hoo! my
0: main uh
3: thing there. But from that, I have a good way to track initiative, especially if you're live. You want to have a good way so that you have it right up in front of you, because it can get confusing, right? And you can miss guys. I screw that up all the time. Yeah, but I also think, I mean, behind the DM screen, what it's not just necessarily the physical area behind there, but how you prepare. Like, I mean, I, I watch a lot of Specific movies like a lot of like The Sword and a Sorcerer and old Sinbad movies for
2: ideas,
3: um, uh, different source books like like Lord of the Rings or older systems like OSR and finding inspiration there and trying to bring it there. So it's not just obviously you have to have a good setup behind there, but it's what you bring to there and how you kind of develop behind the screen.
2: Oh, absolutely. That is, uh, I mean, that's kind of the the, the the start of it. And that's actually, Tony, back to one something you said because I think the first question is, do you even use a screen? Nope. And you don't. Nope. I myself, I love the DM screen. I have, I mean, I have a, like, Bonnie had gotten me a custom one for, it's handsome. for it's like, Christmas it. two years ago, all wood carved and stuff. So, so like, I want to put it out there because it's awesome looking. I mean, I like a screen for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is, like, even more than the D20, I think the screen is, like, the most D&D thing there. Like, when you see a screen up, if you see a picture that's drawn with a screen, you know they're playing Dungeons & Dragons, right? No. Like, it's literally the most quintessential D&D thing. So I love it, Uh, not the least of which, which we'll get into later, what's back behind there. But I know, Tony, you don't. Chris, you do, but do you, like... Is it like me, where you love the goddamn thing? I
3: I, I understand, I think you have to see somebody with a screen. Sometimes if it's just completely open, there has to be a person at the head of the table there. So Mm -hmm. you have to have some level of things. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. There's times where I'm concerned about hiding this stuff, but a lot of times not so concerned. I think one of the cool things about the DM screen is just that additional like separate dimension for you to be able to hang stuff there so you oh, get an yeah. additional sort of like I use it a little bit with the computer which is sort of a half DM screen but you get additional spots for tables or stuff you want to hang there so for something like that it's cool but I mean it's I think it's still, that's like the 1E e to 5E e thing where there's that secrecy between the DM and the player. Now we've kind of gotten a little bit more story edited and collaborative. So it doesn't, you know, there doesn't have to be the separation, but it is iconic. And it does kind of
2: put you, it makes you feel like you're like, hey, I'm the DM, right? Like there's Absolutely. something very, uh yeah as a as a as a small history aside with that that's actually funny because we we think about that separation the original game though like with are they they tell stories with like with arnison where he literally would have like if you like took like a monopoly board and put it so, like long ways up he would have that you wouldn't even see them you would just <laughs> hear the voice of the dm and they were rolling all the stuff back there too so like talk about this surreal separation of things but But to that, like, the DM screen also, it gives you that ability to hide certain things. Like, for me, one of the things that... Well, depending on the game, because that's the thing, too. What's behind my DM screen changes for the campaign I'm running and how much of it I'm running. We've talked about uh, how, like, in the Dragonlance campaign, I have the Terrain Wrangler. I have Scott running most of the terrain stuff for me because he loves doing it, and I'm like, yeah, I love that. And then I have super cool terrain, and I don't got to worry about it. So he has the monsters he has the minis he's got the figs he's got the terrain so i ask him to bring that out then for me like if i'm running the girls game the where i'm running them currently through dragons of stormwreck isle they're like a they're like a pirate crew kind of thing they wanted to be on a ship so but for that i'm running it all so i'm putting out the maps i'm putting out the minis and and i use like the pathfinder pawns still the little paper ones i have all of those back behind there And I need them to be hidden because you don't want to know, oh, we're going to see eight goblins, four kobolds, and an owlbear. Okay, cool. When do they come out? You know, so I want that separation of that. I want to be able to, I do actually use sometimes certain things that I I pin up or I magnet up behind the DM screen. I use certain charts back there, depending, for the OSR game, I took all their DM screen stuff and put it back there because I needed to know. Especially like when an owlbear saves at fighter level one, I'm like, what the? Fuck are the fighter saving throws? They're oh, terrible. That's right? easy.
1: Did he roll a seventeen? Then he screwed. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, he screwed. But yeah, yes, kind of yes, depending yes, on yes, the game. Don't even but, but depending on the game. So I will have my figs back there. I'll have maybe charts. Uh, a lot of games, I have my my name generator. I have my random names, uh, which has been tough for Dragonlance because they don't have like a a set naming convention, unfortunately. But and then I have all my session notes. And I don't want the players to necessarily see those, you know, and I that way I can have everything out. And there is that separation, so there's still that I don't know what's coming type of thing.
1: Right, because it is a story that's being generated by the dice, and we're all going to find out, which is why I don't like to hide my dice, because I'm like, wow, I got an at 20. Sorry, Dave, that's D4 limbs, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I want yeah. that on the table so we can all see. Or I, when my I boss like tanks that. a save on a 1, I'm not just cheesing it. It really... Everybody look at look at this this frozen die. I just threw it out here. Uh, my, my boss is now going down uh, like my uh, computer did in college <laughs> it's finished. Because all my stuff is now on an electronic device, I can. it's all baked into my module back and forth. Your 40,
2: laptop is – I mean, you know, there's an argument to me being that your laptop, the way you run right now when we're live, right? I mean, it's a little different when we're Roll20 and then, like, the – the internet is your DM screen, because good luck finding anything that I have at my house, right? Sure. But your laptop is your DM screen, because all of your stuff is there, and no one can see it. Right. Until you, like, you know, have your tablet out to show us what the next thing is, and then you still have some of it showing on the bottom.
1: So Chris will be cool <laughs> you know? where he's got a dual monitor effect, where he's got a laptop and a screen. Yeah. I've got my iPad out, and i got my laptop behind it. So I've opened up a Google Docs, and I can move in the module where I've put my clip art. And then all my stats and everything's all baked into the module. Like, I did a poem last game. <laughs> like, thank God I didn't have to do that by memory, where I'm, like, fumbling through, like, all these pages. I'm turning them, like, oh, where's my poem? In 4E, I'd have, like, a stack, like, a thick stack of freaking monster sheets with all their abilities, and I'd constantly be shuffling through yeah. them. And that, that's just a pain. I put them all on the encounter. They're on a block. They're on the screen. They're right there.
3: No, definitely. I think the computer adds a level of ease to it and stuff like that, and, and I mean access to almost everything. Right, you can immediately go out and things. You don't have to go flipping through the book. There's something to flipping through the book, though, too. But I think the laptop definitely is the new, you know, idea of the DM screen. But yeah. I also like idea of Tony's game. I think that's the. The DM screen, there is an element to it, but there's an element to where now there is a bit more sharing, where now you show the roles to the players and stuff like that. I like that because you kind of started talking about it. Originally, like, I would, as a DM, I'd roll for everything. I would roll roll your perception, your your feelings. skills. Which you could argue there's something to it. I actually kind of like it,
2: especially the OSR. Not to cut you off there, but the OSR... Which, funny enough, guys, this is all, obviously, we pre-record here, but just as a little aside, we're actually, Chris is going to be running my birthday game. We're doing another OSR game, which you are now listening to from two weeks ago about our review of the OSR. So, obviously, we liked it enough that now it's a thing. So Giving 31 damage. But, yeah, like, thieves and stuff like that, you're not rolling. the. I mean, I let the you roll it as the thief because it was just easier, but I kind of like that idea. And they even have that in 5e with perception rolls and stuff yeah. like that because when you roll and it's and it's crap and they say no you don't see anything do I not see anything or, you know so it gives that meta knowledge that well, can, there is
3: I think but it does it can be it can be good but it can also be somewhat uh it can Separated. interfere with the collaborative yes. part of the storytelling yes. is that it's like a It's our version of the story, so I'm providing you with all the key details, but all this stuff that happens in there can be somewhat mutable there. So, I think it's a, you know, and and getting back to Tony, one of the things that I'd like to have behind my DM screen, even though it's not, it's usually on a laptop or something, is a set of visuals, right? I think terrain and everything is good, but uh, food for thought, uh, it's easy to... I can sit here and describe, and everyone, we can all be perfect theater of their minds. But in the end, (laughs) I want to throw up some, you know, not just any picture, but dramatic pictures that are, ooh, and then all of a sudden it draws everybody's eye, and then you can talk about it a little bit, but I don't need to be listening so closely. I'm getting some visual input as well. And I think that really helps it absolutely to, kind of, to kind of make it a lot easier for you to get things across. And I feel better when I have a decent amount of images that I can share because I don't feel as responsible for being the uh, grand storyteller and describer of my world.
2: It's absolutely true. We are a visual people and we just have to accept that at this point, I think like, especially with the level of, of multimedia stuff that's out there. So the same reason I did it in the draft campaign I took the time when you guys came to Calaman and you were going to meet the city council the, the city council members the guild masters and the governor and and marshal you were these were people you were going to have a lot of contact with so I wanted to so I went through and I made little pawns of headshots of the council and then when you guys That's met crazy. them I put it out there like it was you know it's kind of corny but I put them out there in a little ring in front of the table But as I introduced them, you saw what Governor Miat looks like. You saw what Marshall Vendry looks like. And for me, that that definitely creates something a little bit more that brings you into, this is important. I got to play with, I got to pay attention here. Tony, we were just talking about this Mm precast. Once you put out anything that is a visual, everyone goes, oh, there's probably something very important here. Like you're paying attention to the game, but you come in and out because we're human beings, right? But you put something out and you're like, Oh, what's this? Who's this? So, like, that's something, depending on the game, I'm going to have set back there for what I'm going to do. But, again, I like to have that kind of stuff. It's where I need it back here. No one knows it's there. No one knows what's coming. And I can just drop these things out, you know.
1: So I have a different room where I've got a, a folding <laughs> table set up and all my scenes are in like little different boxes. So I bring them out, you know, scene one, scene two, until we go down the line. I think you crush you're onto something there. A I feel everybody's lore tolerance is a couple of sentences on the description. even a really vivid description. Like, you know, I don't want to hear you going for like 20 lines about it. Like, how about now I can interact with it? Like, no, no, and the wallpaper. Yeah. Let, let, let's let get into the scene now. So you throw out the art, you throw out a visual of some form, whether it be your figurines, or uh, what's on the table, or a combination of the words and the art, but it draws the people in there for sure. What's behind my DM screen often is a playlist. I like music mm. being set in the background. When I first started my Journey to Ragnarok campaign, I was managing it too hard. I had too many different tracks. I'm jumping in between and back and forth. For moods. Too
2: much of a job at that yeah. point. But right? This really is my cool exploration hour. playlist. Hold on. Yeah, <laughs> so
1: what I, what I recommend is you find about three big blocks of sound. Move through them throughout the whole game. And then in the final confrontation or the tense moment, you got something set up for that.
2: Yeah. I do like the I love the music idea that you brought in because... It's something that I have uh, thought about at times. You guys are music people, so I've tried to do it, and like I've I've made a a point many times that uh, you know I'm a huge fan of Matt Mercer, and he does sound. Awesome. He has a whole like mixing board back there. The dudes, I mean, if you guys want to see what like what a cool DM Sitch setup looks like, go watch his um Game Master Tips video. Uh it's it's good. It gives you an idea, you know, at least what, what he puts together. And I've tried to put music in before, but it's just for me, it's that one more thing now that I'm managing. I haven't found a way, and I've used Sirenscape and a lot of the other ones that people like, and I haven't found a way to I'm also doing this, and I can't juggle all of them, you know. Think, uh, for yeah. me, I think it ends up being
3: like where Tony ended up, and even I'll start to drop some in now during the Dragonlance games, and it's yes, find a, I have a music rank too. <laughs> saying, it's find a playlist on Spotify and mm-hmm. let it go, and very often you'll find it, and it's the battle, and it's exciting stuff, and then other things are happening, but you don't. It adds a little something, but as long as you don't spend, you're not spending that much time paying attention to it. It adds a little bit of play, and it goes. And so you don't have to go too deep into it, but just that little bit of spice adds an element of suspense. It's a big, it's a huge part of Turner's games. Like I want to start introducing it in. in Yeah, I kind of do. And And it's
2: funny. I actually went on Spotify. There is a Dragonlance playlist, so I I started listening
3: through to be like, "What is this good stuff?" (laughs) You get all the Lord of the Rings stuff in there, and and everything. And you just kind of you let it play in the Background, and it's enough, and it's oh, the inspiring just like the pictures, and it's just yes. extra food so that you're not carrying this huge bag in there of all of this stuff.
2: Like, you're, you're don't YouTube, be the meme me of the rock carrying that huge, like, briefcase <laughs> thing that he carries <laughs> in, right? Well, uh, back to just a little quick thing about the, the scene description and the, and the that a picture is truly worth you know thousands of words, not just a thousand, or at
1: least the players remembering where they are.
2: No yeah. doubt, no doubt, because one. Just like we know from reading books and then seeing something adapted to the screen, everyone reading a book like I'm reading the Stormlight Archives right now, and my concept of like the, the the Alethi, anyone who's reading it, whatever, they're actually supposed to be more Persian. I am not seeing the main guy Dalinar as this Persian guy. I get it, but the only vision I get of him is like my concept of like, if for straggling, it's like stern, bright blade, or the way Scar, Sir Scar in The Curse of Strong. The longer, a little bit longer, scraggly hair, a beard, a mustache, that kind of look, totally not that. But if I had a picture that immediately came up of Dalinar, I, I cannot now see Gandalf as not Sir Ian McKellen. Okay. It does not, not is, work, that right? Is,
3: that is the danger. Mm-hmm. But
2: it's the danger, but it's also, it's the, also good the good thing. Yes. Because you That's have the good. uh just as a little aside, I saw somebody posted on uh, one of the cursed Strahd uh Facebook pages that I'm I'm on. And I didn't want to get on there and like dissuade this this burgeoning DM uh from their their uh, you know growth
1: process. They were uh, trying to redeem Strahd and you're like, No, <laughs> no, they
2: started talking about that. There's a, there's a part of Curse of Strata, unfortunately you guys didn't get to it, the March of the Dead. I was trying to work it in as points, but it's in essence, it shows you the souls make the march from uh, the village of Barovia to Castle Ravenloft each night at midnight. And they like they get destroyed, and it's like, oh, that's so cool. It's such a, and there were several points where I was about to introduce it, but like you guys like turned left or whatever. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to force this. But, and they were saying on the post that they felt like there wasn't enough like gravitas to the text of it, which it's you know, the text box is it's three sentences about it. it's cool, right? Mm-hmm. So they they wrote in the post what they had, and it was. It was beautiful. It was wonderful narrative. Mm-hmm. If, I, if they were in the author's group, I would have been like, this is great. Keep going. Your players have heard three sentences of that, of your three-paragraph monologue that you just dropped out. You know, I think you can get away with it on – You know, like when we, I do the you – know, when last we left our heroes, and I give you that little one-minute intro, you do the same thing beforehand mm-hmm. where we have it prepared. Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. You have my attention because it's a fresh session. Mid-session, man, I got 17 other things that I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm trying sure. to do with the game. But if I threw a picture out of the March of the Dead, boom! And then a couple pieces of little like, prose text... What? Forget about it. You have that March of the Dead in your brain all day now. Yes. No, unless
3: I'm reading the March of the Dead, it's difficult for me to <laughs> listen to someone like an audiobook. Unless I, I'm reading, yeah, because I'm actively engaged. So I'm listening. I'm, I'm actively listening mm-hmm. for like, oh, that's a clue. Oh, that's something I need to pay attention to. But it's a uh, get back to the thing. It's funny a story. The Stand, the TV show from the Stephen King. Thing. There's a few words. The original, the original I read TV the, show I,
2: from way back, Gary yes. Sinise level. Yes. All right.
3: Specifically With Gary Sinise. I read The Stand, Gretel and I love The Stand, right? It was like... <laughs> an yeah.
2: Then I saw
3: The Stand TV show With, and yeah. Gary Sinise, and now it's Gary Sinise in the book. Anytime that I think about the book or read the book, I can't ever picture what he was before. He is now Gary Sinise forever forward. Like, every yes. time I read it, I'm like... Oh, that's Gary Sinise, right? Like, and I don't know why. And you hear it in his voice. I do. I and hear his it in mannerisms. His voice, the Ian McClellan <laughs> thing. Like, there's something. But I think it's, especially when you're not writing a novel yes. and you're, you're telling a collaborative story, yes. these are powerful tools. Because go ahead and use a little bit of that. If you want to think of the wizard as Ian McClellan, good, because I don't have to sit here and spend 10 minutes describing him. It doesn't matter so much in my world. If he has an eye patch or something important, I'm going to draw attention to that, but I'm not going to talk. You know, the more flowery description. I'll throw a quick picture up there and it will be like, oh, Gandalf steps into because the room it fixes, and you know, it sits
2: down. fixes everyone at the table. They don't all have six versions of this character, they
1: have that version. Yeah. And then anytime you bring them up, that's who's I know there. That's who
3: this is. Yes, I've seen him. Definitely. That's
1: good. It's good to be on the same page. I may be mistaken. We just watched The Unexpected Journey again. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm too deep in this uh, Nordic oh, mythology oh, my. I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure he put the rune of wealth. On the door. On the
2: door. I don't know what the room was, but probably. I mean, Tolkien had had brought all of that stuff from, um, sure. from original language. It was that Gandalf. Thing. Like
3: within the first couple yeah. pages, of
2: just throwing graffiti on his door, like, yeah, like carving up his fuck, nice bro? wooden door. Like, couldn't you just post a note or something like yeah. that? Maybe give sure. a brother a heads up. Hey, you're a thief. Play along, like instead of like
1: it worked. It I'm just worked. gonna throw it out. It was I'm gonna throw else. it
2: out. That was the funniest part, is just carving his door up. I appreciate funny. Martin Freeman as Bilbo Baggins very much. I didn't mind them. Did we need to have the entire chapter of the dinner, you know, Unexpected Visitors, be like half of a movie? To, <sighs> I'm do. sorry. Well, that's
1: what happens when you have... So should have been two movies into three. Yes. Oh, there you go. Lord. So do. your block text should not be five miles long. That's where I'm going with that.
2: Absolutely. Uh, no, you sure. can't. You can't, I, I, you, can't yes. you can't. But... Block text is important in my mind, and I have started to do that. It's one of the things, Chris, you said, the session notes. That is one thing that needs to be back there. Obviously, that's a number one thing that is back behind the screen. But uh, scenes, if you're setting a scene, if they're arriving at a place, if there's a, a, a very special NPC, something like that, put something there that you can, you don't have to read it verbatim, but it's there because in the midst of we were just talking about this when you got here today, that I get real janky sometimes when I'm right in the midst of it. And I'm like, uh yeah, and you know, the 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 thing, the uh, the and the like the, the wall? I'm like, Yeah, that thing. Like you <laughs> it's long as right? verbose as I can be and flowery language and all of this, and then I, I sound like an idiot when I'm actually role playing it,
1: unless I have something written down. You know. So, with um, having me on the same page, especially with uh, written material, I'm a super huge fan of my, with my art, is I'm doing screenshotting stuff out of the PDFs. I'm like, what does this person look like? Pshht, right like, there. That's you, what they look like. When you're bringing that out, that's all stuff from
2: the Journey to Ragnarok uh, that's the official setting, one. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I love when they give that kind of stuff. Like, I've used that, obviously, for... Uh, i used nothing but it for Curse of Strahd because we were Roll20. So, you know, as much as we love the live games, we again, we were just talking about because Tony got here early. Uh, You guys don't know about Tony time yet, but...
1: but I arrive exactly when I intend to.
2: Yeah, it's like a wizard. Um, Never early or late. So when Tony did get here, though, today we were talking about, amongst other things, about how we would love, like, as much as we love the live gaming because we're back to it, and, like, we're all, like, no Roll20 other than Tuesday nights, right, whatever, but, like, no Roll20, we're live, we're there, we're rolling dice, so much better, right? And then we're like, man, I love just being able to find a map and throw it up. Like, and now I'm like, now I'm building crap, I'm printing things out, I'm this... I'm
1: carving tiles!
3: You
2: know, so, like, outside of, like, when I did Curse of Stron, I was able to throw up all of the, the module art, plus stuff that I found online, just to make even more, because there's... that really does add those levels of... of dimension to it but there is something be said to have something there whether you're doing like i said like i had the little uh city council members out but a picture there and you have that behind your screen or like you guys have been using the tablets which is a great idea like why not use the digital mediums to your advantage in that way
1: yeah i was looking for a valkyrie for one of my games and apparently there's no official 5e valkyries like how is this possible Bro, you should have used the
2: old valkyrie from like the 80s marvel dude I don't know. That if we might over. have worked.
1: I could have got the hero click.
2: We that was an idea. We would have. Lo- uh, Chris and I would have probably lost. I'm the-
1: coming. Oh it's actually Valkyrie. Yeah. Oh God. I'm, I'm contacting uh, someone from Etsy who's in Canada and yeah. it's, it's in stock. <laughs> what I mean is, I can make it. It'll be here in six weeks, like your birthday gift.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but that birthday gift's here now. So now, uh, yeah. But I you, a Halloween birthday, behind That's the behind the screen too. But also think about
3: it from a, like a. As a road DM, as a seasoned road DM, what you could bring on the road, a road right? DM, love it. Like dude. Well, I'm saying, what you could bring to somewhere else and set up, yes. and be comfortable there, which changes the thing. Well, like uh, it's funny, like on roll twenty, like the world is my DM screen, right? Oh like basically, like you're just staring at my face. I have stuff all over. I got books here and everywhere, right? It's Plus,
2: like, I could have 19 screens open. Doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, right?
3: no, it's just uh, like I don't know. It's just being have it happen to like. Get up for this game and figure out each of the things and load them up in a specific order. I mean, you have to do it when you're setting up yeah. beforehand, too, but, and then I got to transport them and I had to think like, what's the good thing behind your DM screen is a method of storage for all of your stuff so that you can get, like, your dice here. You've got uh, your terrain pieces here if you're bringing them with you, those kind of things, because it makes it easier to bust them out separately. Like, I have them separate yep. individual bags and yep. in ways like that, so that it's easier just to kind of drop things out there and you're not spending a whole lot of time preparing that. It's all prepared beforehand when you get there.
2: No, that's a great – that's, a again, another uh, 3 Wise DM trademark, dude. Road DM. Uh, that's a good, that's a good point because there is definitely a difference with your DM screen. I DM at my house for the most part, there's times when you don't, right? But like Chris is running the game today for us when we're done here, he's over here at my place. So he has to road DM himself all the way over here and that's going to change. I have access to whatever I need right upstairs, boom, and I just bring it downstairs. If I'm coming over and doing it somewhere else, yeah, I would absolutely be streamlining. Whether you have a a physical screen or a digital screen like Tony does and Chris uses, what are the essentials? If you were going to, like, let's say, what's the essential for road DMing? If you're on the road, what what are you what are you absolutely going to bring? Um,
1: something that like gets me access to Google and Google Docs because <laughs> so any, a Wi-Fi connection. Yeah, I anything crazy. Anybody's going to ask me about a scimitar, so no no a fireball,
2: no campfire D and D sessions. <laughs>
1: well, because anything anybody could possibly ask in a search, you could throw in there. Mm. It's blank and five e, and you're going to get an answer instantaneously. That's oh my god, it's the first about. thing that comes up right? Yep. It's so available versus previously when we started this, I've got different apps and I'm like at different notes and stuff and it's all written down come on, back in the day we'd have to pull out a book and go dig through that and you know what, that's great that it was there but you know, that's holding up the game. I remember like when I was doing this with Thorne in 4E, how does this work? Well, let me get the book out, I'm digging through it and I'm going to find the page and make an interpretation versus oh, this is it and here's the interpretation. Does it really work like that? Oh, Sage Advice? Yeah, Sage Advice. Yeah, it works like
3: that. Okay, there it is. Oh, well. No, I think the internet is a wonderful tool. But, I mean, I think you need your session notes and some dice. I mean, really, behind your screen. And then everything else that you feel adds to that. But it's all going to stem from that. Like, the preparation that you have in your session notes, the idea that you have, and the rolls of the dice. And then I add in pretty terrain or better pictures of the creatures or interesting visual features. But, I mean, conceivably, like, I should be able to come in here with, we could all be here with notepads and uh, a dice and maybe some graph paper. Did it for you. Yeah. And we should be able to get a pretty close, you know what I'm saying, pretty authentic kind of things. We just sort of add some cool spices like that. You have the hamburger, then you go to the other place and you're like, ooh, Oh, boy, you, you add a little bit of paprika. In Why am I not like using this. this? And then you, then now I add a little paprika here, a little onion, or something like that. And you start to add all these other features. But in the end, I mean, all you really need is like pencil, paper, and some dice. You know, that's
2: totally. That is totally. You
3: a can plan. grow out of that.
1: Yeah, like and grow up from that. Yeah, yeah like if really. you
3: have that part, then the rest of it will work, right? If you have the main session notes and all that ready, then the rest of it is just stuff on top that kind of helps to make your job a little bit easier.
2: The um, quick story time that has nothing to do with D&D, but everything to do with what you just said. Mm-hmm. We were back in band days when we were on tour. We were down in Sarasota, Florida, and Johnny and I, the singer, were out trying to get something to eat, and we stopped at this little tiny like Italian like sandwich joint, right? And the guy, like, you know, whatever. And I'm, I don't know, 20-something, you know, I'm early 20s. And he, we get some turkey hoagies or something, right? So what's on a turkey hoagie? Oh, lettuce, tomato, onion, turkey, cheese, Hopefully, turkey. mayo, a nice roll, <laughs> bubble, right? Yeah, no, this dude rolls out some creamy Italian dressing on it and blew our goddamn minds when we ate it, and then toasted it, too. So he was, like, before Quiznos, right? But he toasted it with this, like, creamy Italian dressing instead of the mayo, dude. I swear to God, I put creamy Italian dressing on every, like, turkey. There a on, Like, on, for the, like, years after that. So it was like that. Like, once you then grow up past the a pencil paper and a dice, you could play. And then you're like, but I really like the mini. Oh, but I do like this, you know, so, no, so like it I grows like little up, little of,
3: right? right? I like the San Antonio's game, how he does the recaps. I like how we do yeah. minis and some of the stuff. And yeah. the Google Doc, the way you've been sharing the Google Doc stories in Dragonlance. And there's all oh, little I love that. just little
2: uh, pieces you can add to your thing there. But I am putting that together, just so you guys know, mm. because these things are so so... Again, just to say to the so you guys are, are are caught up with us here in the Dragonlance campaign. I have taken the narrative side quest idea that we started to talk about in Curse of Strahd with Hawk generally, uh, where Tony and I first started playing with it, and we did an article about it. Yep, a while back, um, I decided because I loved it. I said, Dragonlance, I'm doing it for every player the whole campaign, which is crazy. Uh, But there was a lot to start. There was a lot that, like, the the adventure already kind of front-loaded for me, and I wanted to get this stuff out. And I have players, you two included, obviously, that are super into it, and and back and forth and back and forth. But, dude, I have such massive Google Docs now for each player. I'm going to put them together with, like, the songs. I'm going to, like... Create the Chronicles, dude. dude yeah, so I'm awesome. gonna like self publish it or something, dude. But like the level of side story, when you guys are able to see the other people's side stories, you're be like, I didn't know this was happening. It's <laughs> like when you read Darth Plagueis, the novel, and you're like, oh my god,
1: Palpatine. Wow. Not a lot of people know the tragedy of Darth Plagueis. Yeah,
2: that's, oh, jeez. But anyway, sorry, a little so, so, side so, note there.
1: But when someone asked me a question about something that happened in the previous session, I'm like, okay, that's an obscure question. What was the innkeeper's name? Okay, open up last game session, Control-F, Nick. It was Nick the bartender. Oh, That's oh, it. Yeah. Versus right. me digging through a notebook versus me trying to find the other notebook. Because, you know, you, you can't contain it to one notebook. It's usually two notebooks. Maybe it's three at this point. There's no lack. I, I have
2: my three-ring binder that I keep session notes from zero onwards. And then I, as I'm writing on them, I can go back and remember Ooh. who those persons were. But yeah... You get 30 sessions deep, you you might have to go back for a while before you, you find out who the hell the innkeeper was at that one spot you guys
3: Or who gave him
1: that clue, or where yeah. they got that ring, no. or...
3: No, I think good organization of your session notes like that, too, so that you can look back at sessions and have some level of... Product, like, being able to look back at something and it's not just
1: a complete uh, mess there. Like, for example, I threw out them, like, hey guys, about how much treasure do you have? I guarantee you I'm going to have to go back in the session notes and start adding it up, but it's all there.
2: I think – a little side piece, but I think we should probably think about going in because that's something I want to delve into more because it's something we've all now experienced several times with the uh, –
1: treasure tables?
2: Treasure. How much we have. Trying to – because as a DM, right, you throw it out there and you go, okay, this is out there. And much like theater of the mind, everyone is because one person is maybe trying to be the the main collector, but then other people are like, "Oh, I broke it up in my head, so I took," you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, how how uh, maybe yeah. Look! Look in the future, guys. Maybe we'll be talking again. We'll yeah. we'll have the RPG e- uh, economics yeah, I mean, yeah. part two. I mean,
3: treasure tracking and those kind of things. Is it the DM responsibility, or is it really the player? It's the players. Yeah. Once you've once but you've delivered it, like leveling and stuff. So like, when well, Tony
2: this time, but the it the, import, too, so the importance for it, for like Tony, for instance, is what he's doing, which he did in Storm Kings, and he's starting to build up in Ragnarok, from what I'm guessing, is he has built out the treasure and then. He's going to place things in front of you where you can actually use that to and buy he's, things of value that help your game. He's <laughs> trying to get a sense of where are you, where for my games, as you guys all will passive-aggressively often say, even Scott now starts to, where like, you know, I don't, I, yeah, you fine, whatever, yeah, good. I got a
1: know. magic shield, bitches, suck it. Yeah. Like, that's
2: all no, Yeah, you did have that at like level one, though, so that's pretty sweet, it right? Seems to be them, what can I say? Know? No, I just, I think that, that having uh, those
3: magic items that can uh, grow with the players or have something like that are good to have back there, too. Something that I can give you that isn't. It's like the gift, right? You always want to be surprised by your gift, but sometimes you want that input from the guy. And I'm going to get you the perfect thing. And mm. I think sometimes magic items and stuff like that can give you a little bit of that. You can give them something that isn't. 100 gold pieces, maybe it's that you seem like you really want a sword. Oh, okay. Here you find a magic weapon that can be a sword or a, you know, a hammer or something like that.
2: Unless you have done what we did, which is now create this ongoing iron chapter mercenary group idea, where then it's like, the only thing you now care about is literally, like, how much gold can I find? Because I want to fund this crazy mercenary group idea I have, right? So it's like, yeah, just keep giving. We're just like gold everywhere. Where's the gold? Give me. You got gold? What are you going to pay us? You know? Like, I don't care about magic uh, uh, items now. Also, it's pretty heavy on the
3: gold. I will say say that. Also,
2: a little aside, too. Is it just me or is it strange that I have now run two pretty high fantasy adventures and both of them are wildly low magic, right? (laughs) Is this just me or is it like... Especially Dragonlance. Like, they're surprisingly
1: low magic... Which makes sense, but at the same point, you're in this high fantasy setting, right? I think it's easier for you to contain the world when there's less things like that given, but I'm not a fan of it.
2: I think that they also, they matter more than too.
1: Well, it's,
3: there is a thing, like, uh, for the Lord of the Rings thing, right? But Like, they keep it intentionally magic-free because it would provide you with more of an experience as if you were someone traveling through Metal Earth. Wizards were weird and rare. In 5e, not so much. Yeah. Right, but I think there is something like that. As long as you're finding things, I mean, we there are still wizards and everything in these low magic campaigns that are getting spells every level and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So I think there's something you can have really high magic, low magic. I mean, I think as long as it's fun, but it's uh, I'm going to test the limits of uh, low magic with the Lord oh, of the campaign. But
2: I mean, if like as as we're talking about, because Chris is is gearing up to. Uh, to to jump in on running the Middle Earth, the, the yeah the, the Lord of the Rings role playing, which they they took it off the One Ring and then yeah, updated yeah, it to 5 yeah. Yes, really. uh, You guys have probably all seen it on the socials. They're doing a lot of advertising for it, but uh, but yeah, you have for, for a setting like that, it's the ultimate high fantasy. But that's actually a good point. High fantasy does not mean high magic. It means it is a different world with different rules where magic probably exists. That doesn't mean you all have access to it because when they found Glamdring and Sting, that's like, that's a huge, that's some of the only magical
1: stuff outside of the One Ring itself that's in this world that we're aware of, right? Right outside of the elves, right? So. so, back to what you were saying uh, earlier about is it the DM's job to track treasure? Not exactly, but it can easily become the DM's problem. And one of my beans surrounding this is I throw out treasure. Somebody's a treasure keeper and they said, I have a, they wrote it down in their book and I it, arguing against what someone wrote down in their book is like arguing with a wall. They're like, <laughs> and I know people on my father's grave have written shit down wrong and they're like, no, it's in my book. And I'm like, the no, it's not. <laughs> like, go kick rocks. <sighs> I like. I know what's in the, the module, and it's uh, in my notebook. I wrote in pencil. Yuki, so, yeah, I okay, mean, yeah. yeah. So, um, it, yeah, the Holy Avenger must have cloned. Okay, you <laughs> both have it then, right? It just divided. like at the. down too. Clearly, know. they there was dual wielding uh, power, and and uh, we both have one now, but. It, because it's your problem. And then someone else will write that down in their treasure. Like, oh, we got this. My cut's 200 gold pieces. And in the block, it's 1,000 gold pieces in the treasure sheet. And then they divide it, and they're getting paid again. It's like, this isn't like a tax, corporate tax loophole. <laughs> like, I just want to have accurate money. But your treasure should matter. What you can use for that is to give your characters low-level rewards to fill in their stats. So the best stuff you should find. You shouldn't get the Holy Avenger in, you know, the shop. Okay, in Storm King's Thunder, yeah, kind of did that. I did some crazy stuff with the Floating Sky Mall. Well, but yeah, even that, that a, the no, best no, stuff, was yeah, in the field.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, that was a little different. But regardless, uh, we're, we're way off on a tangent here, and it's probably getting around that time now. Final thoughts? It is final thoughts. Uh, what I'm going to do before we start final thoughts, though, I'm going to say one thing you need behind your DM screen are dice. So... The hell with I electronic have, dice. Yeah. No, that's BS. I think that they're- Too balanced. Too bad. Yeah, they are they're wildly replicate too many things. <laughs> but you guys know, we say it each week, uh, but we have an affiliate link with Fanroll Dice uh that you can go. So go to fanrolldice.com slash R-E-F slash 2871. You go there, you're going to get 10% off all your purchases. Um, I will say be careful with these silicone dice that they're selling because those fuckers bounce into some 20s like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I have have banned them from Tony (laughs) using them at the table, but, you know, you don't have to tell your players or DM about that if you just bring them to the sesh. But anyway, so final thoughts here uh, back to, you know, behind the screen, kind of just what your what your thoughts are, but also maybe something that you didn't say that you you uh, you would like to have behind the screen or do have
1: behind the screen. Everything I have behind the screen are things that add a little bit of polish to the module. So you could know what's going on. But those things like having extra names or lore, that really gives a feeling like your world is expansive and rich. And someone says something unexpected like, hey, I do want to check out more of this town. Well, guess what? It's here. Let me go into my name bank. I've got somebody. Let me go to my counter back. I've got an encounter. And you did something and here's treasure. It may not be Something that's going to tip the scales, but you deserve a reward for doing something and trying in your idea because part of the fun is I don't know how you're going to solve the problem I've put out there.
3: I'd say, uh, same thing, make sure you have the stuff that you want to add to spice up your existing adventure there, right? But make also, hungry. But also, I mean, it's behind your screens, Like, watch movies that interest you and provide you with ideas, read books, consume other source things, and bring that with you, because you're going to, no matter what you have in your notes or everything, you're going to be describing things, you're going to have to provide some level of DM kind of things there, and that stuff is just good stuff to have with you when you get to the table. It's kind of up there in your head besides what you already have physically on the table so
2: there you go excellent uh for me final thoughts are what's behind the dm screen well the first thing is your dm screen i like the physical dm screen uh i like the nostalgia of it but i like what it offers too not just hiding things but also putting stuff up because i will oftentimes have something up there talking about maybe the all the conditions so i remember what they all are npc names uh, i have used a lot of those again it depends on what campaign i'm running i'll use different things i like to have my pawns or minis back there if i'm not wrangling them so that i have i know where they are and i can place them out i like to have my session notes and my campaign binder that are tell me what's happening in the session and if we have to go back somewhere i have it right there obviously your pencils dice if you're using battle mats, stuff like that. One thing I didn't talk about, though, that I have started to use more is I have my stack of index cards back there. And that is something that I can write. I've started to use it to write notes to players. I've used it to write uh, magic items or additional things that they've acquired that I can easily write down, boom, 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 and hand over to them at the table. So that's just something that's real easy that you can get at the dollar store. So, But yeah, I think that's it. This is a good one, Thought This is a good one, guys. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you again at home. And as we do each week, we are going to let our dear old erstwhile leader take us out.
0: All of you listening at home, thanks again for joining us for another episode of Three Wise DMs. Again, if you have any questions you'd like to hear us uh, talk about, please send them over to 3 at gmail.com or go to our website and pop them in the what's your problem field. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star rating in the podcast platform you're using. Leave us a good review. Tell your friends. We've been growing by leaps and bounds, and that's really because of your support. So thank you so much for doing that. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on 3wise DMs.